Hi everyone, it's Jamie, your First Gen Friends podcast host. I am so excited for you guys to listen to this week's episode with one of my husband's really good friends who he studied abroad with in Italy, and I got to share his story with you guys. So really excited for you to hear what it was like growing up in Boston as an Italian-American first-generation kid. It's a really good one, so I hope you guys enjoy. This is Julian. I'm Julian Cardillo. I grew up just outside Boston, Massachusetts, and both my parents are immigrants from Italy. I was born in Boston, uh, both my brother and I. They came over, though. I'm first gen. So I imagine you had a lot of cultural shocks when you were raised with your parents who both speak Italian and then you went to school and the experience is totally different. Yeah, to, certainly to some degree. I mean, I grew up speaking Italian um, and my closest friends growing up were pretty much my immediate family, like my cousins. Um, even the friends that I had, they were they were kind of first gen themselves. There was actually a, a kid next door who his parents were from Portugal and he was first gen. Uh, Portuguese and I didn't really meet everybody else who was kind of like normal American their families had been here a lot longer than mine um, until I went to school Um, so I kind of I kind of grew up in very much a a wonderful bubble but a bubble no less where we had so much Italian culture I mean my all my grandparents speak Italian so um, I've only, I only ever remember conversing in Italian with them. We spoke Italian at home. Um, yeah, I didn't really hear a lot of English until I went to school. In school, what was that like for you? Well, my my brother, who is almost nine years older than me, he grew up with a lot less English than I did. He learned from the TV. My case wasn't as severe, but I remember going to school and, you know, we would do English and grammar. And, you know, I I distinctly remember like having like not a quiz, but like a writing exercise. And there were five questions and I got only one right. And the one I got right, I actually copied off a girl uh, who was sitting next to me. Um, So which is ironic because now I'm working in communications and marketing and I like have a better grasp of language and how to put sentences together and all that. But I remember in school in first grade, I was in this kind of remedial English as a second language slash beginners class, I guess you could call it for students who really struggled with language. And it was me and four other kids. And I I remember this, this took place in both first and second grade, but uh, where I went to school, uh, every grade had two classrooms. Like there was one A and one B, two A and two B and so on all the way up. And you would walk into your classroom and both, both grades, not both grades, but like both sides of the grade, like both one A and one B, they shared this closet. And on one side of the wall, the kids in one A would put their backpacks on the other side of the wall. The kids in one B would put their backpacks. Mm -hmm. Well, when we had to do like phonics and grammar and English and reading, everybody would whip out their books and the remedial English kids would go to this closet and sit down at this really small table. And this uh, teacher's assistant would like guide us through the reading. And it really kind of stunk because the regular students, like everybody else would like coast through these books 
really fast. And like in the time it took them to read three books, we would read one. Um, So I remember that that being like a very, very distinctive thing. Like, why am I different than those kids? Yeah, I mean, I remember like we would there was a book. It was called Little Duck Dance. And I remember like being so happy when we finished it. And like we when we got to the second one, everybody was already on the fourth. Wow. I, I remember people being like, oh, you guys are way behind. Like and, and it was just it was that was like the, the first time that I, I felt a little bit different and, and I didn't like it. Um, but, you know, you you live and you learn and you move on. And um, eventually, like I wasn't having a copy from the person next to me anymore. I love multiple choice because I could just choose one. But when it was a blank, you had to write something. I was like, oh, shit, I don't know what to write here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like I can't very, even make anything up. <laughs> very true. Yep, yep. That's ex- I. I actually, you're sending me back to that day in first grade. <laughs> yeah, I think this is one of my mom's favorite stories too. So it wasn't all just you know like in the classroom doing work or doing homework. It was also like really purely cultural. I remember one day, uh, the teacher was asking us. You know, we were talking about the things we have for breakfast. It might have been a language exercise actually. So we were talking about what we had what we had for breakfast. And um, I said coffee and I was in first grade and the teacher stopped and kind of like she like froze and like this icy look came down her face. She was like, you have coffee? Your mother sends you to school after having had coffee? And I was like, yeah, it's 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 cafe latte. You know, we my mother and I and my grandmother sometimes like in the morning I'll have coffee with a little bit of milk and my grandmother she home makes these these cookies they're called biscotti and i think that my teacher her name was mrs fusco she was italian um she kind of got what i was saying and just wanted to move on but that day actually that morning she called my mother on our home phone and said you're sending your son to school with coffee and my mom got defensive right away and she immediately was like no 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 it's not it's not really coffee. It's it's cafe latte. It's like 99% of milk and then I've just put like a little drop of coffee to like just just so we can feel included, you know, with with me and his grandmother <laughs> or whatever. It's it and this was completely false. Uh it was more like 99% coffee, 1% milk. I've never liked milk. Uh and yeah, but but it was it was like one of those one of those really really just and in the moment I didn't really know what the big deal was. I'm like, well, no, everybody drinks you're an coffee. Kid. Yeah. I was like, everybody, but also like everybody drinks coffee, you know, America <laughs> yeah. runs on Dunkin'. Everybody drinks it. <laughs> Seriously. You mentioned your parents moved to Boston and left Italy. A lot of the times when people come to this country, it's because they're leaving something, right? Cause they want a better life. And I feel like when people think of Italy, they think of this like beautiful place. And why would you ever want to leave? Was there a specific goal that your parents had or what was the reason for them? So but before I really answered my, my parents' case, I think the, the Italian immigration to the United States, it took place over many, many decades. And so the motivations for people at the beginning were very much different than for people at the end. And my, my parents were very much like the tail end of the Italian immigration. And I think it's important because like a lot of people are like, Oh, like, you know, they're looking for economic opportunity or, you know, they're, they, they want to take part in the American dream. We used to, there was actually literature in Italy, like back in the late 19th century or uh, yeah. Late 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, describing America as this place, you know, of literal milk and honey. 
and my, my parents knew better. My dad had grandparents who had, who had uh, worked in the United States and gone back and forth. But I think for them, it was a little bit um, economic, you know, wanting just, just a better life. My mother who came after my dad, she came 73, 74. So much of her family was here. Um, my, my grandmother's sister was here. Extended family was here. So it was just sort of like time for everybody to, to come over. I think there was just momentum building for her side of the family to, to come to Boston. My dad was a little bit different. He had some family here. Um, like I said, his, his grandparents had kind of come intermittently earlier in the, in the 20th century. My dad's case is a little bit more mysterious because he came in 66, but my grandfather had a really steady job. Um, and he didn't want to come. Um, but my dad really, really pushed it. And my dad did so as like a 14 year old. Um, wow. And I to, to this day, I'm really not able to get like a straight answer out of my dad on like how they accomplished this. Uh, because, you know, it's a big deal. I mean, I don't have to tell you, you know, moving across the ocean to a different country where you don't know the language. So I, I still don't really understand how they did it, but they did do it. And uh, my, I think my dad just kind of, he felt that America was the future. Ultimately, that was what drew him here. Well, both of them, they needed to have their health. Both families needed to have their health, uh, a place to stay, a job waiting for them before they got clearance to come. Um, and so the family that was here basically made guarantees. And I know from at least my dad's point of view that, you know, when they got here, it, there was, of course, you know, maybe the sensation of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have come. But, um, yeah. you know, my grandma, my grandfather, especially, you know, he never really liked it here. He actually retired and went back to Italy, you know, slowly but surely. I, I think they 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 found their way. I think the secret for them was just, you know, my my grandparents, especially were extremely, extremely, extremely hard workers. Um, and that was kind of the ticket, even though there was struggle, like ultimately my my grandparents, they fell back on hard work um you know that's what got them forward when you were growing up and you were in elementary school or middle school or high school did you feel like you had a sense of pride still in your heritage or did you feel because you were different than everyone you were almost like hiding that part of, of who you were oh no I had a lot of pride in my heritage I would awesome. show off that I could speak Italian um I would I was like very proud of like um just like the kind of like the cultural things that make Italians Italians, like the closeness that we have, you know, with, with our moms and dads, yeah. the fact that like we eat home cooked meals a lot. I was so proud of it. And like when people would put me down for some things, like, like two examples, um, where I grew up is very, very Irish Catholic. And so like they just Italians and Irish people here in Boston, they kind of see things from a different prism. Uh, that's true when you're a kid, that's true when you're with, when you're an adult. Um, and so, you know, like it was like I spoke Italian. Nobody really cared. It was like, no, we speak English. Like, what's the big deal? But I and I never understood, like, why? Like, why are you putting me down? I know another language. It's so, so cool. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I'd have I'd, I'd be so happy to, like, bring home cooked pizza to school, you know, or, or to, like, bring like re like real nutritious food to school. Um, and other kids, like they just wouldn't really see the value in it. But but I, but that, I never really let that bother me. I was like, I know this is better. So whatever like I'm proud of this that's so cool and I wonder where you got that from because when I was in school forget it like I 
pretended I didn't speak Spanish even though I had a very thick accent because it wasn't my first language English but the kids did bully me and I hated it and I tried so hard to just like fit in because when I brought home cooked meals like they would they would make fun of me and I'd be like mom can you just make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I just can't deal with this yeah I I'd be I'd be curious you know when the bullying started for you because for me you know, first, second, third grade, it was, it was great, you know, mm-hmm. kids being kids and like, you don't really know anything when you're that age, you know, comparatively speaking right. in elementary school, but like when you, I think when you hit fourth grade, you start getting wise. Yeah. And um, for me, like fourth and fifth grade, sixth grade too, but especially four and five were just really, really bad. And that's kind of when like my self-esteem started to take a little bit of a hit. Um, and, you know, I wasn't as like, open about the Italian aspect of my life and like I saw myself trying to sound more like you know my my American peers like you know like I started watching American football and baseball that I really until that point had no interest in um just as an example so but but I'd I'd be curious to hear from you too yeah for me it was definitely fourth fifth and sixth grade my family also didn't have money right so my mom would like drive me to school in a beat-up minivan that we bought from you know a cousin that was no longer using it and then my other friends would come up in like bmws and mercedes and like have really nice clothes and new shoes and i only had like i only had four shirts that i could wear right and on the fifth day i would wear the same shirts i wore on monday and kids would fucking make fun of me and i'm like and now as i think about it i'm like why were they keeping tabs on on what I was wearing you know Mm -hmm. like why were why was that such a big deal and then the lunges stuff happened and then I think once middle school came I like developed and I was like you know pretty and I felt more confident and then it was like from like middle school to high school I was girls are just mean to me and now when as an adult I look back I'm like oh they were just jealous of me because like I was really kind Mm -hmm. so it was a cultural thing and also a like socioeconomic situation because I was grow I grew up in a pretty wealthy neighborhood mm-hmm. um, but I lived in a section eight apartment right so I would walk to school and like walk by houses or when my friend's parents would like drop me off after a play date I'd have them drop me off like down the block because I didn't want them to know I lived in an apartment building like it was very I was very calculated on like how not to get bullied and made fun of. Yeah. Whereas like now I'm like, I don't give a shit at all, but I'm like an adult now. Right. And people who are mean to me or try to put me down are just projecting on their own shitty lives. Yeah. <laughs> I, I 100%, 100%. <laughs> what were some of the values that your parents instilled in you growing up? Education. Like what were some of the things they made sure like Julian, you need to do this in order to succeed or did they kind of just like let you go on your own and find your own path? I would say that my, my parents were always really big on the hard work. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because like at the end of the day, if they take everything away from you, they can't take that. Right. Mm -hmm. You can always, always work hard. And um, every, all my role models, all the people that my parents surrounded me with were, you know, kind of the same old story. And it's interesting because I actually, you know, for a lot of my life, I wasn't a great student. You know, I was a fine student, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the person getting A pluses and A's 
but I knew how to grind. Like I knew how to show teachers that like I could get stuff done and really get it if I put my mind to it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think that goes a long way. Um, And the other thing is really just honesty and passion. You know, in in Italian culture, we have this saying of uh, bella figura, which it's it's hard to kind of translate one to one. But what it ultimately means is that, like, you do the best you can with what you've got. You know, it's like if the best you can do is to uh, drive uh, a beat up minivan that that your cousins gave you because, you know, they weren't using it anymore. Like that doesn't mean that the minivan has to be like dirty or whatever, you know, like you Mm -hmm. like take it to the car wash, like you do the tires, you change the oil, like you just do, you do what you need to do. Um, And it was kind of like that for me, it it was just, my dad was like, you know, I I always just want you to do the, the, the best you can, you know, speak clearly and honestly and openly with people. Um, You know, you're reflecting your family, you're reflecting yourself. He said, you know, if a C plus in math is the best you're going to do, like, that's okay. As long as it's the very, very best and you're honest with yourself. Um, And that's, that's true of Italian culture um, in Italy. And, and I think also here. And so that, that's kind of like been like a, like a guiding principle for me. That's really nice. So you had a very positive environment growing up. I did definitely. And it helped that, you know, I didn't really put two and two together at the time, but like my mom and dad were their own success story, even before they were able to like buy property and have a house and have a car and send us to college. Like my mom started a, a shoe store, a high end Italian shoe store in Boston. And it actually, it, it just, it didn't work out. It, it wasn't a great location. Um, so the business went bankrupt, you know, within, a year of going bankrupt, she opened a new business that she has now run for over 30 years. My dad, you know, an immigrant, he served in the, in the military, you know, he, he, he became a major in the army. And as, as as an immigrant, you know, as someone who learned English as as a second language, he became a high school teacher, an English teacher in high school teaching ESL. So it was really, you know, full circle. And I I always kind of had my, my parents that I uh, love and respect so much. When you were younger, was there anything that you really wanted that you couldn't have, but you have it now? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, I always I always really wanted uh, to be surrounded with people who were very genuine and really cared a lot about me and um, weren't superficial about things and just kind of like had a real zest for life. And I think you know, when you're a kid, there's so many things that are out of your control and things are so complicated. And I was very, very different from everybody else. Um, you know, it, it was just, I was honestly figuring out who I was. And, um, you know, I think when I went to high school, I sort of found my, my niche a little bit more. And, um, you know, I kind of found the people that I, I really wanted to associate with. And that continued uh, in college and it continued, um, after I graduated and now in New York. So I, I feel like I've got it now. Um, just like good friends and, and people that, that really care a lot about you and take an interest in, in who you are and how you're doing. Did you feel like there was not really like diversity where you were growing up versus, you know, 
now where you live or where you work or where you went to college, like a lot of my friends that I have today are post high school. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of the friends I have today are, are post high school too, with some exceptions. I think, you know, with the diversity thing, I always try to just say that, you know, no matter what your background, like you have a story, your parents have a story um, and it animates who you are and will probably animate where you're going. I think, you know, for me, it's kind of like I said before, my my area was just so unbelievably like Irish Catholic. And like, even though a lot of the kids I school with were, were white and Catholic, like I was still so different than than so many of them. Um, and, you know, like there were there were other kids that from my from my grade, but like we wouldn't think of it. There were other kids from my grade who. You know, like I, I went to school with with a girl from Japan and I had um, all sorts of um, Haitian peers and um, I, I we had a we had a um, one of our one of our one of the girls who came in actually through exchange. I think she was from Brazil. But like all this stuff, I'm just like kind of like it's like monkeys in a barrel. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not it's not diversity in the sense of like we think of it now. Um, so I would say no. But also you know, now living in New York, it's like, you can't get away from it. Um, and, and, and I actually like that about, about New York. I work for a very global company now. Um, you know, we have offices all over the world. We're very small though. We're 150 people deep. Um, and we have people on pretty much every continent, but Antarctica. So, you know, I see a lot of diversity in my career. Um, you know, I, and, and very, very different from where I was brought up, but I also think being in, outsider like the whole diversity thing it wasn't it didn't phase me as much because i was you know i was already like i was kind of like the the part part of like the diversity quota in a way you know i I was already kind of like very very strange for the type of classroom that i that i grew up going to so is there any advice that you would give your younger self like knowing everything that you know now and you know you you mentioned how when you were younger you were this very confident person and then as you got older and people tried to bring you down, it kind of, you know, impacted you in a negative way. Uh, I would say invest in Apple. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I was, I was lucky. I, I had really strong and present and loving parents. Um, so I would say like, if you don't have that, like find role models that, will support you and love you and you can turn to um you know in case you ever are feeling down or you're ever feeling lost um i would also say that like everything is so temporary like people who put you down or like the challenges that you may face like it's all temporary the best thing is to just move on and move forward and have a positive outlook Um, and being true to yourself. I think if I had been told that when I was in fourth or fifth grade, more often, uh, it would have been a little bit different. You know, I, I, I distinctly remember just like in fourth grade, not that there's an excuse for this necessarily, but like the worst I ever did in school, like when I started lying to my parents about my grades and like not even trying on homework and things like that was, was in fourth and fifth grade when just like so many kids were putting me down. And I think that that had a lot to do with it. And I, I wish, 
you know, um, because, you know, par- parents, I don't think even the ones who are really in the know, like they they never truly know, I think, the depths of like what their child is facing psychologically unless they're like really upfront about it. And I just wasn't. I was kind of embarrassed about it, to be honest. But I wish like I could have been like a little bit more honest and like gotten the advice that I needed, which is just like this is temporary. You know, school is school. Continue to work hard. Keep your head up. Um and, and things will be okay. And um, that's really what, what stands out to me. I feel like there are some kids, and maybe this is uh, unconscious but or, or, or subconscious, rather. Um, I, I think some kids, like, just out of the need to fit in, they lose that culture that makes them who they are. You know, like, just imagine how sad it would be, like, if you didn't speak Spanish or, like, if I didn't speak Italian or, like, you know, if like anybody else, like, they just kind of, like, lost their roots. And I think that happens to a lot of kids. Um, and, I, and I remember, like, like a, a lot of my friends um, or the peers that I had growing up, you know, like, like, a, lot, like a lot of the a lot of the kids that I grew up that were Haitian, for instance, you know, they, they were really, really made fun of. And, um, you know, and, and you could say maybe that that it was partially like racism or whatever but um you know they 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 like lost like like a bit of who they were you know they 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 like stopped speaking creole or they stopped speaking their native language like i can't even imagine what it would be like if i lost that part of myself so i would say like do not lose what makes you who you are as well um it's really really beautiful that like we're part of the immigrant experience and um you know i will say like as someone who feels very much italian i also take a lot of ownership over you know who i am as an american and like i believe that like the american dream is achievable um and you know that i'm very very lucky to be here but i'm also hugely proud to be italian and what is your american dream um it's pretty simple honestly i just want to be surrounded by my family and um i want to be able to go home every day at a uh, to a place that's filled with love and support um whether that's my parents home or a home of my own or a home of a friend um to me that's making it now i'm crying <laughs> i remember being younger and like being scared to go home because my parents are always fighting and it was just like a toxic situation so growing up my answer to that would to that like what didn't you have when you were younger and what do you want what do you have now it's just like going like feeling home and feeling safe and feeling loved um and that's kind of what I've always wanted so it's cool that it's similar for you too yeah for sure um you know and I I like fully admit you know I, I was lucky my my parents they they kind of put everything to the side so they could give to my brother and I um, and they always tried to like, make sure that like the home was the home. It was a very sacred place. Like we were always taken care of. Um, and I think also just like part of my American dream is that like, that I can pass that on to my kids someday. Yeah. Um, you know, and I imagine like, like, you know, with, with the life you're living, um, you probably feel the same way too. Yeah. Well, Julian, this was so much fun. I really appreciate you coming on the first gen friends podcast. I had a great time speaking to you and I appreciate you sharing all your really great stories as well. Yes, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. Um, 
And uh, I really, really, really appreciate it.